think one of the significant differentiators for HubSpot is first of all, we think holistically about the customer experience and the, the platform that we've built reflects that. Welcome to the Hyper Engage podcast. We are so happy to have you along our journey. Here, we uncover bits of knowledge from some of the greatest minds in tech. We unearth the hows, whys, and whats that drive the tech of today. Welcome to the movement. Hey, greetings, everybody. This is Adil from Hyper Engage podcast. I have my co-host, Theodore Kennison, a very special guest, Jonathan Corbin from uh, HubSpot is prior to that has been a part of a uh, team at uh, Marquito leadership at uh, Sprinkler, and he's also uh, being a part of mentor program at Techstars, which most of the uh, early stage SaaS businesses startups look up to and they uh, want to get in- enrolled. So it's going to be a real conversation. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for taking time. So uh, starting off, Jonathan, uh, you know, seeing your background uh, where you started, like talking uh, about Marquito, talking about Sprinkler, talking about uh, even a bit of experience you had at Techstar and then moving it on and transitioning into a, a, even a bigger platform like HubSpot. Staying in customer success, what made you so much resilient throughout this time? You know, what's interesting is I, I started my career as an engineer. So I was writing code um, and then I progressed through a couple of different areas of kind of go-to-market teams where I started working with uh, the pre-sales teams talking to customers about the potential of technology and how it can help them build their business. I worked in the services organization where I was helping customers to actually implement the technology and figure out how they can best use it in order to build their business. I spent time at, at uh, you know, Adobe and, and uh, Marketo, as you mentioned, um, and it was really interesting because we're going through a really uh, transformational time in the B2B SaaS world where we were thinking about what exactly is this like SaaS business uh, and what do customers expect from us? What do we expect from our customers? And so the five years that I spent at Adobe, we were really going through figuring that out. And that was what was happening in the industry. I think the only other company was really thinking about the whole like customer success aspect of that uh, was Salesforce at that time. They thought about it a little bit differently than we did. And so, you know, it was really great for me to be able to spend some time thinking deeply about uh, SaaS economics and why the CSM organization is so critical to a business function. At the root of the CSM function, as we were uh, thinking about it back in those days, and I still think about it now, it's really about how do you help to retain and grow customers? If you understand uh, B2B SaaS metrics, your CAC and your LTV are incredibly important. You can go out, you can acquire a whole bunch of customers, but being able to extend their lifetime value to the point where you're actually making money from them is really critical, right? Otherwise, you lose money on every customer you bring in. So the average B2B SaaS company takes about uh, 12 to 18 months is the payback period for each customer you acquire. So you have to retain your customer past that in order to make money as a business. And so as I was thinking about those SaaS economics, I was like, wow, I see a future where it's not just about how many customers we are acquiring and like kind of that, that top level growth, but it's actually about the retention and growth of the install base. And so that's one of the reasons why I said, hey, I'm really yeah, interested in this customer success thing. And I think depending on where you are, customer success means different things for different companies. You know, for a startup, you know, maybe some of the Texas companies that I talked to, uh, you know, they're thinking about customer success and it's really holistic around like, okay, we've landed a customer, customer success, you do the rest. 
And so it could be services, it could be support, it could be product usage and adoption, uh, it could be install-based selling. And so it really kind of runs the gamut in terms of uh, what how companies are thinking about that post-sales aspect of the journey. Uh, for me, mm. uh, at HubSpot, the way that we think about customer success is our customer success team is really focused on helping companies to grow using HubSpot. And that's our mission at HubSpot is really about helping customers to grow their businesses. And our software, if you're not familiar with it, it's really go-to-market software. It's how do we help to make customers more efficient at acquiring new leads, at handing those over to the sales organization, helping to service them and to make sure their customers are happy. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's really exciting for me to be a part of HubSpot uh, and to be part of CS here. That's, it's, uh, that's amazing, Jonathan. Mm. And I love how you, 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 you touched on so many critical points, you know, it's important that depending on where you're at in your business stage or business life cycle, you, there is a function that CS can play to provide value for that business. And just like you said, there's just so many different, almost unlimited. And I would love if you could dive a bit more deeper into like, what are these, all of the different variables that you might find CS providing value to the company from a startup to you growing into mid-market and you expanding into enterprise? Like, what does that look like? And how does CS provide value at every stage in that life cycle? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think starting with the kind of that startup phase, uh, you know, when you're a startup, and I, I actually, when I left Adobe, I went and did my own startup. And so I have a little bit of experience in that space as well. Wait, and dive the, into that. I hate to, I hate to sure, interrupt you, yeah, also yeah. please dive into that. That's so interesting. <laughs> well, I spent five years at Adobe, uh, and I talked a little bit about the experience that I had there. I started off there as uh, really an account manager, you know, where I was holding a bag, I was responsible for accounts and helping them continue to grow. And then we evolved to create the CSM function. But throughout the time that I was there, I saw the impact that the software that we were creating had on the customers we were working with. It was transformational. You know, we were working with them on transforming their digital aspects of their business, helping some of them to, you know, really uh, lean into the power of being able to interact with their customers in real time, uh, to understand who their prospects were, how they could do a better job of converting them. And as I saw the impact that it was having on those businesses, I said, wow, you know, it must be really cool to be able to think of kind of a way of doing something differently, going out, creating it, and then seeing people use it. Um, and so I was surrounded by a whole bunch of other people. And, you know, Boston has a really burgeoning startup scene. It's been around for a long time. Uh, you had some iconic companies like uh, Dick come out of Boston. Um, and so, you know, as I was going through that, I was surrounded by a bunch of people who are thinking similar thoughts as me. And so I ended up leaving Adobe and starting a company called Beer. And Beer was really focused on um, helping people to find the cheapest, closest parking spot wherever they were. And if you've traveled anywhere in the world, you've seen like parking's a problem everywhere. Oh my the God. Cool, yeah. And so the cool in, thing about In the city, that, that's like, that's like the one thing too. Like I literally yeah. use parking apps just like that to try to find like closed parking. Completely. That's, that's great. Yeah. And the, the cool thing about that is that when, you know, you're using that app, you set it home, you, you know, say, okay, I want to go to this place. So the cool thing is we understood like destination intent and something that's not that easy to get to get. And so we were able to think about like, what are the marketing and advertising use cases that are closely correlated to that? 
Unfortunately, we didn't have quite the exit that we dreamed of when we were starting the company, uh, but it was a fantastic experience. And one of the things that I learned from that was the different roles that people play as you go through different stages of your life cycles of the company. So an early stage startup, you know, you're a founder, you might be success, you might be sales, you might be marketing, you might be all of those things. And I don't know if you've read any of like Peter Drucker's books, he's kind of like the guru on management, but the larger a company gets, the more you have to lean into specialization to really reap the benefits of having the size of an organization. Otherwise, you know, you're kind of running around doing a whole bunch of things, but not really impacting anything. And so I think, you know, starting off, it's like, okay, you're defining, you know, what is the experience you wanted to deliver to your customers? And then as you continue to get more and more mature in your uh, life cycle as a company, you're able to de better define those roles, the types of people that you're hiring that go into those roles who are best equipped to be able to handle the customer's expectations. And then moving from there, you're able to, you know, kind of form the departments around that. Uh, create those KPIs and metrics that those teams are accountable for in order to be able to achieve the things that you're looking for as a company and what your customers expect from you. Mm, incredible, incredible. And in a, in a startup with like, you talk about self-funded startup, like it's a big, huge recession of, uh, you know, startup, they're complaining a lot about not getting funded or maybe they're, they're like having like 1 million pitch decks to 1 million investors and they're not getting uh, invested, uh, you know, being being trusted in some way, they can say. However, they're not so much driven towards uh, the technology, towards the team. That how they can form a team on a scalable model. Maybe they're not doing all of all of all of that at once, but but they they have structured it for for a longer term view, which is very, very critical. And that is uh, it, it matters a lot for a startup to have a longer term view on the team as well as uh, you know execution plan on the success side as well. Great stuff. So looking at HubSpot, because we use it uh, a lot, we still like uh, use it for our marketing, uh, you Great. know, businesses and, you know, customers that we have. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of CTO uh, HubSpot. I don't remember exactly his name. Dermesh, but, uh, yeah, no, Dermesh is great. Yeah, Dermesh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the podcast. One, my, my, my first million buck, uh, similar to that on YouTube. Yeah. So the key thing I noticed, uh, you know, HubSpot and, and the reason I think you guys killed uh, on a very quick succession in, in the span of two or two and a half years uh, lately was how you basically automated the customer centricity, like how you basically enabled your customer to automatically grow and basically stay on top of some of the uh, on the data and it, enabling your customers investing into the data early stage. So uh, in, in the early stage to mid-market, you have maybe 60% or more uh, of your customer base. Uh, that was the reason when you really nailed it, uh, maybe in the 2018 or 2019. So what do you think uh, during that time post-COVID or even during COVID when everything kind of shut down and people were just scratching their head and they, they were just laying off their employees and uh, sure. you know everybody's sitting. So what was that period uh, look like uh, as, as you senior leadership at HubSpot? Yeah, you know, it was a challenging time where we looked at what was going on in the world and there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of uncertainty for customers, a lot of uncertainty for partners. It's a lot of uncertainty everywhere. I don't know if, you know, you were watching any of the, you know, the, the news uh, at that time, but there was like all kinds of crazy things that were happening. You know, people telling us like, you know, maybe bleach and sunshine is the answer. Uh, and you're like, wow, this is this is really nuts. 
but for us, you know, we understood that um, there was a opportunity for us to really take a customer centric view of how we can actually help the customers uh, who are relying on our products in order for their businesses to function. And so we did a couple of things. One, we said for our partners, we're actually going to give you advances against the payments that we normally give you as part of the, the kind of the, the partner um, uh, organization that we have uh, and the system that we have in place. And the other is, you know, for customers who came to us and said, hey, we're really struggling with this. We're not sure what to do. Uh, we worked with them to help them understand how they can use our products to maybe bring their businesses online, to engage with people through digital functions, uh, to create content that would help them to attract people that they were looking for. So they would actually be able to continue to function as a company. And so we actually created a fund where, you know, there were some companies who were challenged around paying their bills and they were trying to keep uh, team members on staff as they went through this transformation. And so we enabled them with significant discounts to be able to maintain the products they needed to go online as well as the staff that were there. Uh, and so that was something that was really powerful for us. It was a trying time for everyone. There were people on my team who were working from their cars. They were like, you know, people were locked at home uh, and it was not something anyone was really well prepared for. I think the, you know, the outcome for us was that, uh, you know, we were able to help a vast number of customers, partners, and prospects during that time period to change their business, to transform what they were doing and how they were engaging and attracting potential customers mm -hmm. and engaging with existing customers. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I think that was something that we we're particularly proud of being able to help people there. And, you know, that's, mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, kind of Dharmesh earlier, and one of the things, you know, kind of the foundations of HubSpot is that we, our goal is to help companies grow. It doesn't mean you only grow during good times. It means like you're consistently growing. And so that's something mm -hmm. that my team is actually very focused on. And that is our, our focus is helping customers to grow with HubSpot. And so the team mm -hmm. spent an unbelievable amount of time talking to customers, talking to partners, helping them to understand how the products that we have can help them continue to build their business. And I had notes from mm -hmm. customers and partners saying, thank you, without your help, we wouldn't be able to pay our bills. We wouldn't be able to put food on the table. My kids couldn't go to school. And so seeing that kind of impact, hearing that from customers and partners, uh, of course, mm -hmm. it was great. You know, we we're really excited to be able to have that kind of impact. Love the HubSpot team. We have like uh, someone, a leadership uh, from Ireland team in Ireland coming up in a few weeks time. We are also going to bring the CEO because we haven't met her ever since she joined. It's been more than a year now. And she's like making some huge decisions, like some of the investments that they they have pretty much uh, driven towards uh, communication, towards uh, most of the strategy on the customer side, like investing into the customers, uh, you know, customer growth, like experiences uh, to make it uh, make it make it whole lot of better experience. That is uh, one thing, and, and there was another thing that we had like people coming and asking about HubSpot because a lot of uh, these SaaS businesses that we talk to here on the stage they use HubSpot uh, for their uh, for their success teams, and they think that they yet not use the B two B platform and they don't need the B two B platform. So I was thinking, man, I'll have Jonathan and then I'll have Daphne and I'll have uh, the, even the senior leadership more. I'll ask these questions: How do you think? Uh, not already says, let's talk about some platform sitting at series B or C with a team of 
20 plus uh, customers facing uh, people, uh, 10 plus uh, customer success, post sales operations, how they can replace any B2B platform out in the industry by just using HubSpot. Like, of course, they can monitor data, you know, they can indicate all of the risk and health. How does that uh, come into play for those people? I think there's there's two aspects that we really try to focus on at HubSpot. One is around experience. How do you how do we help our customers to craft a great experience for their customers? And one of the things that we've continued to invest in around that is the products that we offer. And so, you know, HubSpot got its start as like a point solution really focused on inbound marketing. We started off with something called website grader, where you could like give us your URL and we tell you like here's the things you need to fix on it. We've evolved since then to a platform that really thinks about the customer experience. And so, you know, when you think about the customer experience, it really starts with how you attract prospects. Who are the people that are interested in your products, what you have to offer? And you're, you know, telling them, here's the areas that you continue to evolve in. And so you're attracting those customers. Uh, and once you have attracted that prospect, they go through the process where, you know, they engage with maybe your sales team, or maybe they convert online and they understand how those products and, and the uh, content that you are putting out there, how that plays a role in them continuing to evolve the way that they do business. And then once they sign on as a customer, there's that delivery aspect of like, how do you make sure they're actually getting the value that they were attracted to that they purchased during the sales process? And that delivery of it, I think, is something that's really critical. And so when you think about, you know, a company of, of with 20 customer-facing people or hundreds of customer-facing people, that's the platform that we've built. And I think one of the significant differentiators for HubSpot is, first of all, we think holistically about the customer experience. And the, the platform that we've built reflects that. The second of that is that ease of use is incredibly important. Making sure that you built something where people can sit down and they understand how to do their job going through that, because you can go out and you can purchase a whole bunch of products. Just because you purchased the product doesn't mean that it's going to get to bring value to you and it doesn't mean your team's going to use it. So focusing on the product that's really customer centric, focusing on that customer experience and making sure that it's something that's easily easy to use, easy to learn, uh, ensures that you're going to get the value out of it. So those are a couple of areas mm -hmm. that we try to focus on at HubSpot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because here, sitting at here, like, uh, you know, hearing these answers and some of the stories from the CS teams and then some of the marketing teams, a lot of people say that HubSpot is more of a platform for the marketing teams. Most lately, uh, just in the last year, when I spoke to some of the head of customer success, CCO, even CCOs, they're telling us that we have our entire success team pretty much integrated inside HubSpot. So what do you, like, what is your opinion on this? Like a lot of them, they say that we use it for only the marketing team and we have a success team on maybe Catalyst or uh, Gainsight or Tango or Widely because they have PLG model, because a lot of uh, data metrics, a lot of... Uh, uh, events that we cannot track inside HubSpot that are, that are more tailored towards the product users. So what do you think about it? So, you know, I, I might be a little bit biased here, Adele, but uh, HubSpot is actually the biggest customer of HubSpot. And so we use HubSpot for ourselves, for our teams, to enable our teams to ensure that they have the information that they need in order to do their roles. 
I think we've done that pretty well. So, you know, my team's a little over 700 people at this point. And, you know, we use that platform to be able to enable them to be able to engage with uh, over 150,000 customers. Mm. So, you know, when you, when you think about whatever scale the business is at, you know, make sure that you understand what it is that you're trying to achieve with the products. And, mm -hmm. you know, for us, it works really well for us at the scale that we're at. And it works really mm -hmm. well for customers who, you know, are just getting started and thinking about the customer experience. So I think there's, you know, kind of a, a wide range of capabilities with HubSpot when you think about your go-to-market functions and customer-facing roles. So I, I think if people haven't looked at HubSpot for customer success, uh, then they, they should certainly consider it and see what to achieve and if it meets their needs. I think at the end of the day, mm -hmm. being customer-centric means that we want to make sure that the products that we're providing, people who are prospects with, uh, people who are looking to grow their business with, meet their needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about, you know, knowing and being self-aware uh, as, as a marketing team, as a success team, what are your goals for the next one year? What kind of tools that can basically fuel it? It can be anything. It can be even not incorporating the tool. You can have, you know, your, a lot of uh, the teams, they have built custom objects inside Salesforce. Sure. They're absolutely doing. They have their DevOps team and they, they actually do it like in a month time and they, they think that it's good enough for them. It's just a single source of truth and everything is seamless. But again, that scalability point, when you grow that big enough, the team of more than 700 people serving more than 150,000 paying customers, active customers, then things definitely need, uh, needs pretty much streamlined and you need tools like HubSpot, tools like, uh, you know, Gainsight on the success side as well. Cool stuff. So Jonathan, you have a team of 700 people and uh, how does that team segregates across different segments? Of course, you're serving uh, this small businesses to mid-size and also the enterprise. So how does that uh, play around and how strategic you and your team are? Sure. So there's, there's actually three teams that make up the customer success team. One is the partner success team, and they work exclusively with partners to help them to get onboarded into the HubSpot ecosystem, understand how they can grow their business using uh, HubSpot, uh, and uh, to make sure that they have the assistance they need in terms of uh, continuing to sell and to service HubSpot customers. Uh, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is the contract management team. Uh, and they're responsible for working with our customers on going through, you know, uh, pricing negotiations and things like that. And this, and the last uh, area is around the customer success team. And so uh, the customer success team um, is an area of the business that's uh, really vital to the way that we, you know, that, that we retain and help our customers continue to grow. And so that's kind of that, that third aspect of, of the way that my team is structured. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, I'm sure since you said that you are using HubSpot, you are your biggest customer. So now, do you think, do you, do you need any tool to, just like I'm talking about the CS uh, standpoint, from the CS standpoint, like post sales operations, especially on during the onboarding to adoption stage, where all of these monitoring, all of these uh, proactive uh, indicators or triggers come into play to make sure you're absolutely forecasting the customer journey and having information ahead of time to drive conversations and maybe uh, you know to analyze what can be done better. So do you have any other technology incorporated or any other system incorporated alongside HubSpot for that matter? 
Yeah, you know, we've, we've made a lot of uh, kind of updates. So, you know, as being the largest user, we're also, you know, kind of the, the alpha and beta uh, user as well. So <laughs> we get to test out a bunch of things. And so, you know, we do lean into things like alerts uh, and triggers and things like that to understand how we best manage, uh, you know, kind of those aspects of it. Um, and, you know, you, your question earlier around kind of our segmentation approach uh, is reflective of the automation at the uh, segment, at the highest segments we use less, at the lowest segments we use more. And so, you know, kind of thinking through that, you know, we have our, our largest customers, um, we have kind of a, a mid-tier, and then we have kind of the, the smaller ones. And in terms of how we go about our segmentation approach, uh, what we've done is we've actually gone out and talked to customers. Uh, and, you know, being a customer-centric organization, that's really important. And what we found is there's kind of three distinct types of customers that uh, work with HubSpot. The first is uh, companies who say, you know, look, I get it. You guys have a whole bunch of, like, people that I can talk to. My preference is that I can actually find the answers to the questions I have on my own. I want to be able to, like, self-serve. I want information available to me at my fingertips when I need it. I don't want to have to like send someone an email and wait for a response. I don't want to have to like do a chat. I don't want to like, you know, hop on a phone call. I just like want to have access to that. So that's kind of like the first type of customer uh, that we identified. The second type of customer was one who said, you know, I actually want access to all the same things that that first type of customer. I want to be able to answer kind of questions on demand. I want to be able to like find the answers to the questions on my own. But like, this is really important for me. Uh, like my go-to-market functions are kind of critical to my job and to our company. We want to be able to like just check with someone to make sure that things that we're doing are right. Make sure that we're doing that well. The third type of customer, someone who's like, actually, things that we're doing are so important. They're so vital to the way that we're doing business, to our organization, to our company. We actually want someone who's going to work with us on a consistent basis Make sure we're doing it the right way. Like you have access to 160,000 customers at HubSpot, how they're doing things, what best practices look like, what should my metrics look like. I want your help to make sure that I'm doing like things the best way that I can. So those are the three types of customers that we defined. And so we've categorized our customers into those three areas. And so depending to your question around like automation and alerts, depending on kind of where the customers fall in that, in those three tiers, uh, we lean more into automation alerts, depending on this customer's preferences uh, and kind of the mm -hmm. tiers that they fall under. Mm -hmm. Cool job. So I, I do see that, you know, when I started my business back in uh, 2018 slash 19, did 2018, and, uh, you know, I hosted uh, my chat and all of that at HubSpot. And still today, um, you know, I receive all my inboxes on yeah. HubSpot. And I still remember uh, that point, uh, you know, there was an automation workflow and, you know, knowledge based in thrown at you. And that yeah. was pretty helpful. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, not to, you know, uh, not to just having an intention to engage, but, you know, it was pretty engaging and pretty helpful. The knowledge base and support center that you guys have. I, I loved HubSpot Academy and that throughout this time. So, uh, you know, there's a a handful of businesses like SaaS businesses that you can talk about in just the recent life, you can take five to seven years that have really scaled their operations and their customer base and, you know, on the marketing side as well. So thank you very much, Jonathan, for taking the time today. Uh, it was really, really uh, nice seeing you again and uh, someone from HubSpot uh, that, that senior and uh, 
you know, it, it was quite a learning curve for both of us and of course for our audience too. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, enjoyed the conversation and look forward to, uh, to chatting again in the near future. Thank you both. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, absolutely. Jonathan. You have a good rest of your day. Thank you so very much for staying with us on the episode. Please share your feedback at adil at hyperengage.io. We definitely need it. Uh, we will see you next time with another guest on the stage with some concrete tips on how to operate better as a customer success leader and how you can empower engagements with some building some meaningful relationships. We qualify people for the episode just to make sure we bring the value to the listeners. Do reach us out if you want to refer any CS leader. Until next time, goodbye and have a good rest of your day.